Well, you all know how the story goes. Eventually, the Israelites, they are enslaved in Egypt until Moses catches a word from God and leads them out of slavery into the wilderness, reminding them of a promise made to Abraham and Sarah long ago about a land with milk and honey, more descendants than stars in the sky. Moses gets the Ten Commandments, and then there's this. It's the heart of it all. It's called the Shema, and it's found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We've heard this scripture throughout history. The Shema has always been an integral part of Judaic life and liturgy. It's supposed to be recited twice a day. It is both a personal confession and a communal creed. It is a way of life. Over the course of our fall preaching series, scripture every Christian should know by heart, we have discovered that all of these most familiar texts and stories are not simply words of advice or words of comfort, things like the Lord's Prayer or the 23rd Psalm, even commandments like this one. They're not prescriptive on how to earn grace or to avoid suffering. But now we know words like this, words that we learn, words that we teach our children, words that we recite and pray, words we sing and proclaim, words that we remember here in worship, and words that we rely upon when all other words fail us. Our language, all these words, they become part of who we are. They shape our identity, they root us, they connect us, they inform us. This is why Calhoun and Whitley and our third graders receive Bibles today. The word Shema can be translated as hear, hear, O Israel. But we're not saying, listen up, y'all. It's more than that. We're saying, hear and act, hear and obey, hear and do. If God tweeted, this is what she would say. For Moses and the ancient Israelites, it is the touchstone. It's the heart of it all. If God had an elevator speech, this would be it. And so by the time Jesus hits the scene, from his lips to our ears, it only makes sense that this is what we're going to hear. It's in Mark chapter 12. It's on page 900, 923 of your pew Bible. Let's hear it one more time. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he had answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the first of all? And Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and all of your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. 
When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask Jesus any more questions. May God bless the hearing and the speaking of God's holy word. Amen. Recently, I ran into an acquaintance at the Starbucks on East Boulevard. She sipped her coffee at a table. I knew she looked familiar, and I tried to place her name. Was it Sarah? Was it Kay? Was it Ro- Rose? Rosie? Rose, that was it. Now, here's a confession. I can occasionally be terrible with names, which is a very bad job hazard in my case. For instance, I called my neighbor Wayne for two years before he finally told me his name was Nick. (laughs) That is a true story. Anyway, I flashed Rosie a knowing look, which would have included a smile if my mask had allowed it, and I kept moving. And here's another confession. I can order a coffee online, drive by Starbucks, rush inside, grab the coffee, and get back on the road in under five minutes. Not that I've timed it, but here's another confession. I frequent that Starbucks on East Boulevard three times a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays and every Sunday. During the week, I order order a Grande Pikes with a splash of cream for $2.58. And on Sundays, I upgrade to a Venti because, well, it's Sunday. For those of you who are not Starbucks people, this translates to a consistently brewed, overpriced, medium or large black coffee with a splash of cream. I began seeing Rosie almost every visit during the week. She's always kind and willing to connect and share a smile with anyone who passes her by. There is a light that shines from her soul that is difficult to explain. But recently, she had moved from inside the store to the parking lot, and now she's been standing on the sidewalk just off the property line, literally on the margin, which is concerning, of course, because Rose has been experiencing homelessness in Charlotte for as long as I can remember. And now it's obvious she's been asked to stay out of the store. As I run in and I run out, I begin to realize that Rose was actually approaching patrons for money or food or coffee. If nothing else, a few packs of sugar. Yes, I was nice to her, but I had not engaged her in any meaningful way. Hey, Rose, hope you're having a good morning. Hey, you too, sweetie. No cash, no bus passes, no food, no water, no honest questions about her life, no inquiries of any sort, under five minutes, in and out. One day she asked me to grab a few sugar packets on my way out, which I did, but my heart really wasn't in it. I could say I was in a hurry, but honestly, I imagined the sugar packets would would lead to more than I really wanted to give. So one morning, without acknowledging the source of my decision, I drove all the way to the Providence Road store instead of ordering my coffee from East Boulevard. Was it the time? Was it the inconvenience? Well, clearly it was not. If I was willing to drive clear out of my way to another Starbucks, I ran in and I ran out of of the Providence Road store, and then I sat in my car holding my overpriced coffee and a whole lot of shame. 
It is true we are solution-oriented people. We want to help and fix and solve problems. And so it is also true that there are probably about a hundred of us here in worship, and we probably have a hundred different approaches or thoughts or ideas about, about, about what I should or shouldn't do in this situation. But I didn't Google a solution, and I didn't call an expert or a friend. It was something deeper. It was as if I had been hit right in the gut, or I had just woken up from a bout of amnesia, because I remembered this thing my Sunday school teacher remembered, who remembered something her mother remembered, who remembered something that maybe Jesus remembered, who remembered something that maybe his father remembered. You shall love the Lord God with all of your heart and your soul and your might, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. You see, it's not an idea or a theory, or a spiritual notion, or a strategy, or a formula, but it's not ambiguous either. It's risky and intimate and real. It is the one truth above all the other truths, our shared center, our purpose, our grounding, our being, our value, our meaning. From the inside out, from the inside out, there is a rooting in a creator who is comprehensively and consistently caring and loving. This love is the love that shapes who we are and what we do. You see, love defines the relationship that we have with God, and love defines the relationships that we have with each other and our neighbors. And for Jesus, at least, these two things are inseparable. It is implanted and embodied in our conversations and in our homes and in our cities and perhaps most of all in our teachings to our children. Because yes, they hear what we say, but they do what we do. So two days later, I go back to the East Boulevard Starbucks and I come with a care package of water and fresh fruit and snacks and bus passes. And we were talking and she said, Sweetie, why do you always call me Rose? You know my name is Gail. Oh my God, I haven't. I am so embarrassed. I am so sorry. Gail, I've been calling you Rose for at least. Gail let me off the hook. And she says, don't you worry about it one bit, honey. What's your name? And I said, my name is Lori. She says, where's your job, Lori? I said, well, I'm a pastor in a church. Oh, your name is Pastor Lori. Yeah, I guess my name is Pastor Lori. Where's your church? Oh, you probably don't know it. It's a few miles away over on Selwyn Avenue. No, Pastor Lori, your church is Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. I stay over there. I love that church. I go there for room in the inn. You do? Your people are so nice. They're so nice, Michelle Bentley. I say, yeah, they, they are nice. Gail, I'm sorry it took me so long to talk with you, and I hope if you need a place to stay, you will come back to Selwyn. Whew. With all your heart, with all your soul and all your might, 
Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The Hebrew word, the Hebrew word for might is called miad, and we translate it like strength or power, but it really means very or much, like very much. It can mean mind or wealth. It can, be, it can mean anything, really. But basically, it means our whole selves, all we got. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your whole being, every part of you, all the time. Several weeks have gone by since that last meeting. Honestly, I began to worry a little bit about Gail. There had been a cold snap. Was she okay? Had she gotten sick or moved or found transitional housing? But just this last Thursday, I was on my way from an early morning, morning meeting to meet Margot and Jay and Margaret at the Pruitt's house to talk about the baptisms. And so I thought, okay, if I hustle, I'll have just enough time to go into the Providence Road Starbucks. I can order my coffee and park and run around, get my coffee and make it to the Pruitt's right on time. I rush around the corner and guess who was sitting at the outside table. Well, hey, Pastor Lori, what are you doing here? Holy moly, Gail, what are you doing at the Providence Road Starbucks? I had to laugh. She says, I can't stay in one place all the time. We've got to keep moving, use our bodies and use our minds. Her name is Gail. She's amazing and thoughtful and tenacious and resourceful and joyful. She is also chronically homeless. And I don't know how this plays out for Gail. I'm still not loving her in the way that I probably love myself. But I sat down and we talked and a man named Charlie brought us some cheese danishes and I was late getting to Jay and Margaret's house and yet in spite of myself, I met Jesus that day. I have been humbled and blessed by Gail's graciousness towards me, her forgiveness. And I know we have a lot going on, but tonight we are premiering a documentary created and produced by a man named Steve Umberger. The film is ironically titled, Call Me By My Name, which I can humbly understand. It features the lives and talents of a group of Charlotte citizens who were experiencing homelessness while participating in an arts program at First United Methodist Church uptown. Some of the actors will be with us here tonight and this gift of this film from Steve is, aligns with our mission here at Selwyn. And it will help us to better understand the beauty of our relationships with those that we are with on Monday nights at Room in the Inn. Lastly, it should be noted that Steve was a dear friend to our dear Eric Winkenwerder. And he remains close to Elder Suzanne Newsom. Eric helped Steve with this film before his untimely death. And in many ways tonight, it is an expression of God's work through our relationships all throughout the generations. You shall love the Lord your God, the only one, with all your heart and all of your soul and all of your might. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Let us continue our worship and prayer. Loving God, we thank you for the blessing of this day, for your creation that inspires us, for your compassion that welcomes us, 
for your grace that amazes us. For baptisms, new members, third grade Bibles, and birthdays remembered, we offer up our sincerest praise. As the leaves change colors and the air grows colder, we finally recognize the change of the seasons. Some of us are in the midst of life changes or we are praying that change would come. Lord, whether it is for better or for worse, we hope to see you and know you are in the midst of it. We need your peace that surpasses understanding. Be our refuge and our strength. God, we are grateful your mercies are made new, not just each morning, but each moment. For we often seek our own satisfaction and not your will, turning a cheek to our neighbor, taking the easy way out for our own comfort. By the power of your spirit, make us advocates for your justice and instruments of your peace. May we love you and our neighbor with all of our hearts and our souls, our minds and our strength, with all that we got. Lord, we lift up our siblings in crisis for those who do not know where they will lay their head tonight or find their next meal. For siblings overcome with grief, anxiety, fear, and loneliness. For our siblings wrestling with news of a diagnosis, trying to overcome a disease or heal from an illness. Sustain, guide, heal, and comfort your people, Lord. We pray that you would give ear to our words this day, that you hear our voices, our prayers, our cries, the ones spoken aloud and those that rest silence in our hearts, which we offer to you now. With open hearts and minds, God, grant us the courage to continue to bear witness to your grace in this world in creation, in the people around us, in our daily lives. May we learn to love one another deeper and wider, following Christ into the world, your beloved, your son, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, God calls us to be a community that honors one another, to serve each other with joy and to share our love and our resources. During this time, we invite you to reflect on the ways that God may be calling you to use your gifts and talents in this season. Let us go to God with our offerings.
let us dedicate our gifts to God using the prayer printed in your bulletin. Forgiving God, people give for so many reasons. Guilt, joy, obligation, gratitude, obedience, hope, control, thankfulness. Everything we have, including our money and possessions, are really gifts from you. You call us to use them wisely, to share them openly, and to give them generously. Thank you for this celebration of giving. As we act in love for our neighbors, receive this offering and release us from the foolish temptation to believe that it is best spent on ourselves. Amen. Jesus Christ, which surpasses all understanding, dwell in your hearts and your minds until we meet again. In the name of God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen.